Hello and welcome to Posting Up, the Washington Post NBA podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bontemps, national NBA writer for the Washington Post. And I'm very happy to be joined today by my very good friend, Eric Corrine, uh, Toronto Raptors writer for The Athletic, uh, who is currently in the middle of packing for a trip. And uh, I think is a good. this is going to be a good window into what life, uh, super glamorous life on the road is like covering an NBA team. So Eric, first of all, how are you? And second of all, uh, tell the people about your, uh, your current predicament. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm okay. It's, it's snowing <laughs> here. It's snowing here in Toronto. We. It was just a few weeks ago. We had like a. Sorry, let me do a quick conversion. Like a 58, 60 degree day. Wow, that's uh, nice. Nice Celsius to, to Fahrenheit conversion on the fly. That's impressive. Yeah, well, us Canadians have to learn things about other places. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, it's snowing as it as it probably should in a Canadian winter. And I'm about to go on a trip with the Raptors. They're in Washington and Milwaukee tonight, uh, or Washington tonight, uh, Friday, Milwaukee on Saturday. And then they are wisely going to Miami for a few days of practice, which when I will be joining them, and then they're off to New Orleans, Atlanta, and I'm playing in Miami to finish the five-game 10 or 11-day trip. Uh, which is, I guess it's only a, a nine-day trip for them. But it's an eight-day trip for me, and I'm trying very hard to make sure I can carry on. And I've just been, like, pulling things out of my carry-on luggage to see what I don't need. And it's going to result in me having to do laundry at some point, uh, which is not going to be a fun day. Uh, <laughs> I'm already trying it. And on top of that, like, I've just found out that I've probably got a new apartment and, you know, the move-in date might be, like, right around the start of the playoffs. So I'll just pencil in my panic attack for, like, April 15th, and, <laughs> and we'll, we'll work around that. Well, first of all, let's not, let's not talk about any panic attacks. But second of all, uh, this is, this is uh, the, the, secret, the secret trick to being a successful beat writer is never having to carry on a bag anywhere or never having to, to check a bag anywhere because yeah. – uh, I, I've, I've managed to never have to do that, which I'm very proud of. And it makes life infinitely simpler because if you can get your bag on the plane, you know, your bag is there. You then can take it off the plane. You can go about your day. If you have to check a bag, there's the probably least 50, 50 chance that the airline will lose your bag. You have to go wait at baggage plane for it to come, which takes another half an hour. Usually, um, there, it could go to the wrong gate. It could go to the wrong, it, it's, it, all kinds of chaos can ensue then you have to go get clothes so uh i i totally i totally relate to um i totally relate to your to your struggles so i have a question though the way so the way so toronto the way this this trip is going is toronto's going um they're obviously here in washington tonight. i'm in dc right now they're going to play the wizards then they go to milwaukee so instead of going home they're going to miami for like a few days before they go to new orleans that, that i've never heard of that before well um i think that might have been sort of a little gift to the players for their hard work this season. <laughs> uh, you know, Miami in early March, you know, they'll get in, They if they take a flight out of Milwaukee, they'll get in, you know, early Sunday morning and right. they'll leave for New Orleans on Tuesday afternoon. You, I mean, you can do that or right. you can come back to Toronto in early March. So. Right. Uh, you gotta, you gotta dangle the carrot sometimes. Tim. No, I just assumed, I just assumed they were playing in Miami first. That's the part that I'm, I'm kind of amazed by. I, uh, I'm going to be curious to talk to the Raptors about this tonight. Cause I, I didn't realize, um, I didn't it realize. Might be, it might be like an official state secret. Like maybe 
not everybody's supposed to be aware of this until I put a place line from Miami on my story on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, I'm breaking news here on the post- Posting Up podcast. Uh, you might want to save that little tidbit, although I, I don't think it's... In, in terms of secrets, it's not, you yeah, know, the Damari Carroll injury from last year. Awesome. <laughs> it's a few notches below that. I would say it's a few. I would say it's a few. So, all right. So let's uh, so let, let's move off of the uh, the Raptors travel schedule and and focus on on the team itself. Obviously, the big news um, around Toronto this week has been the uh, the you know the the announced injury of Kyle Lowry having. Uh, you know, some loose bodies in his wrist, in the shooting wrist, uh, had surgery this week, is out for, you know, somewhere around four to six weeks, you know, at least that's what they're saying. Um, what, just, I guess, to begin with, what was your overall uh, take on the way this all transpired between, um, you know, Lowry, you know, apparently going to the All-Star game with this injury and thinking he could play through it, and then, you know, them deciding another week or two later, um to have the surgery, I, I guess, how do you, how, what, what were your initial impressions on how this entire thing played out? Well, it was strange, and yet I sort of believe everyone involved, and that's not my natural inclination. So uh, I think people should uh, should take that with some, uh, as a, with some considerable weight, because I tend to be skeptical of things, as I sort of alluded to with my Damari Carroll knee surgery mm-hmm. crap uh, mm-hmm. there. Um, but I, I think my colleague, Ryan Wolstadt wrote, a just a few graphs in his blog about sort of how, and this isn't, you know, exclusive to the Raptors, but the state secrets that are kept regarding injuries and trying to keep a competitive advantage and, and not disclosing things can cut both ways. Cause when you're not completely transparent all of the time, and then something legitimately complicated and, co- and complex goes down like this Lowry injury, uh, people's reaction is going to be, well, what shady is happening? Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's get to the nuts and bolts of it. Uh, Kyle, and cut me off whenever you want, because there's a lot of moving parts here. No, go through it. I think people, I'm, I'm sure not everybody has is, is been in on it as much as you have. I'm, I'd be curious to hear the whole breakdown. And that's not a pun on on the you know the, <laughs> no, the body. No, wasn't, wasn't meant to be a pun. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Kyle Lowry wakes up the Thursday after the Raptors' final game with a sore wrist. Uh, he thinks maybe he slept on it wrong and flies to New Orleans to play in the All Star game. Uh, it's bothering him, but not bothering him to a degree to which he thinks it's an injury uh, or, or something uh, where he thinks it's something significant, I should say, uh, competes in the Saturday night all-star game or all-star game three-point shootout, all-star weekend three-point shootout and finishes last, first of all. Right. And maybe notices that his motion isn't quite the same. He's jumping more forward than usual uh, to definitely, comment, def- not to just to cut you off for a second, as someone who was there for that, it definitely was a weird performance. <laughs> yes, yeah. I, um, I was not quite. I mean, that was a pretty weird performance by a lot of guys. It just was a very bad uh, contest this year. But but he yeah. he stood out as being particularly uh, particularly odd in, in how he was doing it. And even if you look at the get uh, the All Star Sunday, the game, he the three pointers he took and he hit a few of them. He's like leaping forward to a degree that, you know, I've watched Kyle Lowry over, 
you know, four and two thirds seasons now, like it's not his natural motion. So he's compensating for something. Uh, but he gets treatment in New Orleans from the Pelican staff. It's the, you know, the fan base freaks out when they see him on the, on the sideline uh, or on the bench with his right wrist wrapped. Mm-hmm. Um, and legitimately so. But, and here's where I think we get some nuance in there. Kyle Lowry plays through a lot of stuff. He's yep. a six, he's a six foot player who is in a you know a league that's much bigger than him, and that's part of what makes him great. He's not scared and he's tough. All the you know cliches, as I'm sure you'd agree with. Oh yeah, he throws his, he, uh, if, despite being six feet tall, he's built like a brick wall, and he and he yeah. throws his body around, and and that's yeah. that's part of why he. Like to your point, that's part of why he's become you know kind of the the heart and soul of that team. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess, and we'll continue, but in a perfect world, Kyle Lowry wakes up on Thursday, says, hey, my wrist is sore, uh, and then before he flies to New Orleans, gets the Raptors staff to take a look at it. Maybe they get, you know, they want a second opinion, and he goes to the surgeon who operated on his left wrist in his rookie year, and they get the news that they got last week a week or 10 days earlier. Right. That's a perfect world, but it discounts Kyle Lowry being Kyle Lowry and thinking he can play through things and thinking things aren't a big deal. Um, and I don't think it's fair to, like, you know, you can't celebrate a player and then say, oh, I wish he were like this. In right. This and case. I remember seeing Kyle at the Tech Summit on Friday with uh, his agent, Andy Miller, and he, he didn't, I mean, he didn't have a rap or anything. He looked fine. So, I mean, it's not like, it's not like he was, you know, to your point, it's not like he was, you know, trying to hide anything. He clearly just yeah. didn't think it was that big of a deal. Anyway, um, so there's a report uh, a few days later, I believe the first game back when it's announced that Lowry isn't playing because he has a sore wrist. Uh, that would be Friday it's now a week ago, Friday, against Boston, uh, from my friend Bruce Arthur in the Toronto Star that says, Kyle Lowry went golfing on All-Star Saturday. Uh, and I don't know about you, but if I had a sore wrist, like, how many, I mean, I don't golf at the best of times. <laughs> but, uh, it doesn't seem I, like know, the best thing to do with a sore wrist. Aside from maybe an arm wrestling contest, uh, <laughs> that's, it would be about the last thing I'd want to do right. with a sore wrist. Right. Uh, but there's no suggestion that, you know, his golfing, uh, his reported golfing, I should say, um, his three-point contest or his all-star activities uh, have anything to do with the injury. Uh, and so he goes on vacation after the all-star game, comes back a day late because his plane is delayed, which is a whole different issue, I believe. Uh, and, uh, and then, so he misses both pre-practice pre-All-Star game practice, or pre-second-half practices, I should say. Uh, the first one was excused for both he and DeMar DeRozan. The second one, they didn't find him for, but it was unexpected that he wouldn't be there. Um, uh, and that he, it's announced on Friday, he's not playing. He's got a sore wrist. They get tests done, and on Sunday, before the game against Portland, they say, Dwayne Casey tells us, nothing significant showed up. Uh, in the tests, and we try to find out what nothing significant means. <laughs> right. <laughs> and Dwayne Casey says he's not a doctor, which he's not. <laughs> well, it's funny just to clarify, Dwayne, just to yeah. clarify. <laughs> Sam Mitchell, the ex-coach of the Raptors, when we asked about uh, 
an injury would always say, does it look like I have a medical degree in my back pocket? <laughs> um, which, uh, but then of course we can't really ask the medical staff questions because they're mostly out of bounds, but that's another rant for another day. Right. Uh, so, uh, the game on Sunday, it's like, yeah, he's going to be day to day where it's going to be treated symptomatically, all this NBA jargon, basically. And then Monday it's announced he's having surgery after a second opinion. (laughs) (laughs) And so he did see the doctor that did his surgery. They said there are loose bodies. And funnily enough, I don't know if you remember me making the loose bodies and Joakim Noah's. Oh, I did. And then, uh, then, then uh, about 10 minutes later, Joakim Noah got uh, announced for having the same thing. <laughs> yeah. I made a joke about Joakim Noah having loose bodies in his knee to our fine host here. And I went and took a shower. <laughs> and, uh, uh, I awakened to a text from my friend. I'm not awakened. I did not fall asleep in the shower. <laughs> but, uh, I come out and I have a text from my friend Holly McKenzie just saying, Kyle, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. Right. And then I see what the news is about. Uh, so it says uh, he's having surgery, which he has the next day. He'll, the Raptors don't give a timeline. Adrian Wojnarowski reports it's four to five weeks. We have reason to believe that's coming from Lowry's camp. Yes. But it's going to be nip and tuck to get back before the postseason. And they'll go into postseason with him having played minimal games next to new additions, P.J. Tucker and uh, Serge Ibaka. Uh, And, you know, it's his right wrist. So his shooting, which is one of his many great assets, might be jeopardized. At least he can go through conditioning. Masai Jerry hops on a conference call that you were on saying they have no problem with what Kyle did. There's no bad optics here. And I sort of believe everybody involved. Again, it just looks weird and it did not unfold perfectly. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I think it looks worse than it actually is just because (laughs) from knowing the people involved, like there's no way that there's no way that Kyle Lowry, um, there's no way that Kyle Lowry went to the All-Star game thinking that he was going to have surgery after. I mean, this isn't like when Carmelo uh, – this isn't when, like, Carmelo was clearly spending, like, two months playing on a bad knee just trying to make it to the MSG All-Star game a couple years ago to then uh, to then go have surgery later. I mean, it, this was this is nothing like that. I mean – There's no motive, right? right? There's no motive. Kyle Lowry, Kyle Lowry wants to play in the playoffs. Like, nobody yeah. nobody is going to say, I'd rather play in the All-Star game than the playoffs. Like, that's just not yeah. – it's not how it works, especially not somebody as hyper competitive as as Kyle is. Now you now you said you said minimal games with those guys. I, I mean, to me, I feel like it's most likely the case that they get no games with their new team before the playoffs. And um, I, I'm just curious from your standpoint. I mean, how how much do you think? Like, what what do you think the the biggest ramifications are? But just besides not being on the court of of you know this this likely being a several week absence for for one of the best players on the team. Yeah. Well, first of all, with the timeline, uh, if it's like four weeks, that means he's back at like the very beginning of April. If it's six weeks, it means he doesn't play basically until the playoffs, if not into the playoffs. So, and the Raptors have not given a timeline because that's generally what they do. Um, anyway. What does it mean? I mean, there are a number of ramifications. Uh, First of all, the offense has been ugly in these last four games, three of which they've won because, you know, the the defense came up with uh, timely spurts, mostly, not mostly, but, you know, 
Ibaka and PJ Tucker contributed heavily to those mm-hmm. uh, spurts, which was nice to see. I, I'm sure, especially from Dwayne Casey's perspective, who's talked about the Raptors, you know, average to subpar defense all, all year. And DeMar DeRozan, he, in the, the first three wins, he scored 113 points on 69 field goal attempts. And when that fell, uh, and even though like the Raptors are assisting, you know, already the worst assist rate in the league, uh, in the last four games, they're assisting on 36% of their baskets, which is just like, I don't know, what's the last time <laughs> Like it's almost impossible in today's probably game. probably back in the nineties when when there was literally just an isolation on every possession. You know, maybe yeah, that, maybe the Allen like, Iverson Sixers or something. Right. Right. <laughs> um but they win those games because of those two things. DeMar DeRozan's brilliance and timely defense. And we see when against Washington when DeMar DeRozan scores twenty four points on twenty shots, which is, you know, maybe not as efficient as you'd like, but something more closely in line to what you could expect for a player who teams are going to be keying on insanely now. Um, and a defense and that bizarre 26 one run given up to the suddenly relevant Washington wizards bench. Yes. <laughs> uh, they just got run off the court on, on Wednesday. So Part of it is they're going to have struggle. They're going to have problems winning games, and it's more likely than not that they'll be in the four-five part of the bracket as opposed to the two-three part of the bracket, which means an earlier matchup with Cleveland if they do win a first-round series, which is in question if Kyle Lowry isn't shooting well and Kyle Lowry can't acclimate to his new teammates who he hasn't played with and who is new uh, and vice versa, right? So, like, this is. Aside from him being out for the year, for sure, it's a very, you know, it's a potentially devastating thing, not necessarily one they can't recover from. And, you know, in the grand scheme of things, if they make it to the second round and give Cleveland a good fight versus making it to the third round and give it, giving Cleveland a good fight, like, I don't know how much that should matter to Raptors fans, other than it's nicer to see your team play longer into the season. But all those things are at jeopardy, and given the things that will be up for debate in free agency and, you know, Tucker, Lowry, Patrick Patterson, Serge Ibaka, all free agents, if they do flame out uh, because of this, like, how do you even view that if you're Messiah Jerry? It's like a tough thing to wrap your mind around when you have to make these huge organizational decisions. Yeah, I mean, and and I want to get I want to get a lot more into that, but but let's let's pivot for just a minute. Um, so this just isn't a, a misery fest for Raptor fans. Let's let's <laughs> let's uh, even though I I know that they enjoy to do that sometimes, but let let's focus on on the trades that, that Toronto made because you know it, it really you know I wrote about this the other day. It really was amazing to me because uh, at three oh one you know last Thursday um, I was just beyond impressed with what Masai Ujiri had done. You know, you look at a lot of these teams, you know, I've talked about this a lot over the last week. You look at a lot of teams where, you know, there's this, this hyper focus now on, on draft picks and assets and building assets and accumulating assets and having all these picks and, and stuff down the road. And I mean, that's good. And I'm not saying that you should trade every draft pick that you have, but when you have a team like the Raptors that is in the middle of the best stretch of play in franchise history, and you have a team that has guys like Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan and Jonas Valanciunas and DeMar DeCarroll, all these guys that are in the prime of their career and are ready to win now, you shouldn't be saving the 27th pick in the draft. You should be going out and getting Serge Ibaka, who fills a huge need, I think, for them. 
And you should be using a couple second round picks to get PJ Tucker, another guy that really fills a need for them. I mean, how many times have, have you and I watched the Raptors over the last three years play against big athletic wings and just get demolished because they had nobody that could guard them. And now, I mean, now they have PJ Tucker, who's a brick wall, who they can put on LeBron, who they can put on Paul George, who they can put on, um, you know, on any of these, these wings for these teams that, that have given them so much trouble. So um, I, I guess what I, I, I was curious what your take was on those trades and, and did you agree that that this was the right time for um, for Masai to cash in, you know, some of those assets he's very smartly built up in trades like, you know, getting a first round pick for Grievous Vasquez, for example, and other other smart moves they've made to go get some pieces that can really Powell. help this team right now. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and Norman one Powell, of, right, who's a, a second round well, pick that that's yeah. chilling on the bench right now. Yeah, one of the well, he has a he has a bit of a role right now. Well, no, uh, no, that's right. He's that's right. He's he, I mean, I don't mean that he's chilling on the benches and he's not playing, but that he's become a a vital cog for them. Yeah, um, yeah. As a second round pick, he, basically from the moment he got into the league. Yeah. So I think like they're down after these moves. They still have their own pick in perpetuity, their own first round pick, and they're down two second round picks in the future. It's not like and they dealt Terrence Ross who. You know, they're sort of feeling like they miss him right now because they've all of a sudden lost their two high-volume three-point shooters and Lowry and Ross. But, like, you didn't predict the, the Lowry. You didn't factor in that Lowry might, you know, by the way, be out for five weeks when you made these trades. Right. And even considering that, I don't think they're, like, in any way catas- catastrophic about, you know, toward the future because I think – you know, although he's a different player, Norman Powell can fill Terrence's Ross, Terrence Ross's minutes. And even if the Raptors flame out in the first round this year, you couldn't sign Serge Ibaka in free agency because you don't have the cap room. Right. But now you have his bird rights, which is meaningful. And if you don't bring him back, then that's a different conversation. But I, I thought they were too... And to give Orlando credit... You know, they got more for Ibaka than, you know, the deadline did not yield many first-round picks traded. So they did a, given everything that happened, you know, they still sort of messed up in that situation in the big picture, but they got back a decent haul considering, you know, in the vacuum of the trade deadline. Uh, but in, in, for, in terms of the Raptors, yeah, like, you got these players in the prime of their careers. You're not giving up all of the future. They still have... I believe seven of their 15 players are on their rookie contracts right now. So, and they didn't trade any of those guys, uh, not even Bruno. Um, and, <laughs> and they addressed two big needs. And even if you, you know, there's, you can't keep everybody in all likelihood because there's a tax bill coming that would be, you know, gigantic if they did. But it sets them up in a way where, if they want to keep pushing this with Kyle and DeMar at the head of this, then they can, and they can find ways to maneuver to, to cut the tax bill while still having, you know, probably the deepest team in franchise history. Uh, or if disaster happens and Kyle leaves and Ibaka leaves, everything goes wrong. You still have most of your future. Like, it's not like you've torpedoed everything. So I, I thought... And he filled two huge needs. So I thought they were like really, really solid trades, both of them. Yeah, I, I thought they were the, the obvious, clear winners at the deadline. I thought that, you know, to me, Boston, Washington, and Toronto have all been kind of in the same group all year 
um, as to like kind of jockeying for position behind Cleveland. I thought with those trades for me, whether like you said, whether they played uh, whether they played Cleveland in the second round or in the conference finals, um, I thought that Toronto had made themselves the clear number two team uh, in terms of talent in the East, and and you know that's where the that's where the Kyle injury makes things so fascinating for them. And, uh, and that's where I, I kind of want to spin to next. Cause I, to me, the, the fascinating thing about this team is less about um, what happens between now and the end of the season, because, you know, obviously Kyle's not going to be there. And, and, you know, even though Kyle, um, even if Kyle comes back and they get to the conference finals, to me that the, 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 the Raptors are, are like several teams that I think are really in for fascinating summers because, you know, to your point, they have several guys now that, are you know coming up on free agency? You've got Kyle who's going to be free agent. You've got uh, Serge Ibaka will be a free free agent. You have um, Patrick Patterson who will be a free agent. Has become a, a critical cog for them. You've got uh, PJ Tucker who also you know was, was brought in as an expiring deal. He'll be a free agent. Um, so from from your perspective, you know going forward, let's let's start with Kyle. You know what what do you what do you think the 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 situation will be like uh, with him this summer in terms of you know, do, do you think that it's um, do you think that that they're how they do in the playoffs will in part determine what he decides? Um, do you think that it's it's uh, a situation that that's going to be play out a certain way regardless? Like, how, how do you see his free agency unfolding, in your opinion? I strongly lean toward Kyle Lowry resigning with the Raptors. Uh, I remember we did a, a podcast about like 13 or 14 months ago with sort of the same question about, about DeMar DeRozan. Yep. Uh, and I was at that point, I was leaning toward him staying regardless. And you were a bit surprised, I remember. And then with their success, it sort of became the obvious thing to do. Yep. I don't think it's the Lowry situation is as dependent on this postseason as DeRozan was then. And I, I was still leaning toward DeRozan staying. So I think the Raptors will do what it takes to keep Lowry. And unless Lowry really, really wants out and, you know, he keeps some cards to the vest and, you know, maybe he has a huge desire to go home to Philadelphia to finish the process um, or uh, and reunite with Brian Colangelo. Um, but look, I think Kyle Lowry has been empowered here and he can – you know, this is probably the one place he can, like, really be remembered as, you know, one of the most important players in franchise history here. And I think that matters to him. I think he wants to win, but it's not like Golden State or Cleveland is going to be able to get him. So what's right. the better situation, you know? Uh, does he go to you know, Boston to play next to Isaiah Thomas? I don't think so. Uh, so I think he's back. Uh, now, when I think it's now, complicated, when you, but I think it's back. Yeah, well, when, back. When, you say, when you say it's less dependent on the way the team goes, is, is that, do you think that's because he'll be, you know, as a little bit older player than DeMar, will he be a little more focused on uh, the fact that, that, you know, they can offer him the five-year max? Is it because of the... Um, the, the stuff you mentioned about about his legacy there, which I do think matters to him as a guy who has always kind of had a chip on his shoulder as being overlooked and underappreciated. I mean, being in a city where, you know, he's become a beloved figure, I think, um, you know, I, I would think it would matter. Um, what, uh, um, what would you, uh, what, what, what leads you to, to, to say that, that that's how you feel this will go? 
Well, I think the blueprint is sort of already there from from how DeRozan was handled, right? Mm-hmm. Like, didn't take any any other meetings. There's like, here, do you want to take a few million off of your max contract to help us maybe in the future? He said yes. Now, that's a player who's been here since the beginning of his career, has a little legitimate shot at finishing his career in Toronto. I mean, we're too far away to say that'll happen necessarily. But he'll go. But he's down. certainly getting. He's getting his number retired. He's he's going to be one of the three best players in franchise history. Like when he's done, for sure. Uh, I mean, Might be yeah. Number one. Just in terms of sheer longevity and production, uh, he'll lead the 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 team in so many categories. And Lowry hasn't been there that that long, but he already is. You know, the leader in three pointers, for example. I, I'm pretty sure Jose Calderon's still ahead of him in assists, but Lowry can come for that too. And and he'll just be remembered as, you know... That'll be Kyle and DeMar. Kyle and DeMar, Kyle and DeMar will have lifted the Raptors from yeah. from irrelevance to prominence, the two of them yeah. together. Where else is he going that's going to get him that? And where else is he going to be as relevant? And... You know, maybe the Raptors can negotiate to a point where it's not like the full two hundred and six million dollars or whatever it is. Uh, but and you know, we can talk about that. It's risky. It's a thirty-one-year-old point guard. But you know, as we're sort of seeing now, what's the alternative? Like uh, I was on a podcast with you know Zach Lowe of ESPN around December, and he put it well. He's like. You want to turn the keys over to Corey Joseph and DeLon Wright? Okay, punt away 12 wins. And, right. And, and that's what it is. Like, this guy, over the last few years, has been one of the 10 or 15 most important players to his team in the league, I'd say. Yeah. And even if you're not going to get that at the back end of the next contract, um, you need him right now. And you can reasonably assume, especially because at the beginning of his career – he didn't have all those miles on him necessarily that he can still produce into his, you know, early to mid thirties. Maybe by the end of it, it's a disaster. I wouldn't be surprised, but I think both of them need each other for their own purposes, you know? Yeah, no, I think you're right. And again, this kind of goes back to the same thing I was saying before about the the draft picks. Like people like to panic about contracts to guys like Kyle are in their in their early to mid thirties. And like, look, by the end of that contract, Kyle will be thirty five five ish, thirty six. Like that contract's not going to look great. But again, you know, everything has to be viewed in the lens or through the lens of the situation that they're in. And you know, the Raptors, you know, for basically two decades, were an irrelevant NBA team that was constantly in search of an identity, had won one playoff series, had, you know, Vince Carter there for a few years, and then he, you know, you know, left town in, in ugly fashion, and the team has been largely been irrelevant otherwise. And, you know, I, if, if the Raptors have a five- to six-year run of being one of the three best teams in the Eastern Conference, that will be a hugely impactful thing for basketball there. So, like, to, to Zach's point, like, yeah, maybe it, it maybe in the long run, perhaps we'd be more financially prudent to um, to not give Kyle a two hundred million dollar contract, but you know it's like what are the what is your option? I mean, is your if your option is well, we're going to go from winning fifty five games to winning forty four games or forty two games, uh, you know, like what's I don't really see the I don't see really see the long term benefit to that in my opinion. I think that's why you know I'm with you. I think if it's up to them, I think they'll do what it takes for him to come back. I only I just wonder. 
you know, if he does decide, you know, like you said, I, I think the one interesting dark horse there is Philadelphia. They're going to have a ton of money. That's obviously home for him. You know, there's always the chance that they could, you know, potentially move on from Brett Brown and, and bring in, say, his former college coach if they really want to try to go all in um, and get him. I, I don't I don't necessarily think that's going to happen either. But, you know, there are there are scenarios where they could make it pretty appealing for him to, to come be part of that group. But um, I'm with you. I, I think at the end of the day, as long as as long as they don't try to, you know, shortchange him on the contract, which I don't think they will. Um, I, I think that Kyle will will likely be back there as well. I, I just, you know, DeRozan and Lowry matter to this city, not to like make it too grandiose or important because no, it's, it's just. But forms, it's true, though. But, but it's true. But they matter to the city, and they can have a legacy in the city the same way that you know Jose Batista does, or you know, like one of like you know, it's hard to compare things to hockey here because this hockey is a culture unto itself, right. but you know, it, it's, they can be like the twin pillars who built this franchise into, you know, long-term, you don't know how the future is going to go. Great franchises become bad franchises over the course of a few years. I mean, look at the Lakers right now, but they can be the guys who made a joke of a franchise into something worth giving a crap about. And I think, you know, you don't bring him back, then what do you do with DeRozan? Like, how useful is it to have DeMar DeRozan surrounded by a bunch of average players at their position? I'm not saying they should trade him if he walks, but, like, these are the conversations you have to start to have. Uh, So I I just think, again, they need each other, and I think they want each other, uh, and it's the best scenario for both of them, uh, in my mind. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And that, and that leads to what I think is the very the, the, the maybe more interesting question, which is what does Toronto do with these other three guys? Let's start with the, let's start with the, the biggest name, Serge Ibaka, who they just traded for. Um, obviously, he has a longstanding relationship with Masai Ujiri. Masai tried to trade for him at the deadline, or not the deadline, the draft last year was outbid by um, Orlando in one of the, the stranger um, trades in recent memory to, for the Magic giving up a ton of stuff for Serge with one year left on his deal. Um, you know, but he finally got him. Um, got him at the deadline, brought him in. Like you said, they wouldn't be able to sign him. Now they can keep him. Um, how realistic do you think it is that Serge sticks around? And it should also be noted that Serge uh, is also represented by uh, Andy Miller, the same guy who represents Kyle Lowry. Well, he's made a few comments about the cold in his early days. So uh, <laughs> who knows, really? Um, you know, with first of all, this is some guy, somebody I've just met. So uh, I, I'm not super comfortable saying what he really thinks. I think it's realistic for all the reasons you point out. The fit should be good, I think, playing next to two high-usage guards or or scoring players. Like, it's something that he's used to, but perhaps his team needs him a bit more than, you know, the the Thunder decided they needed him, ultimately. Uh, And it's a team that is going to spend perhaps a bit more liberally than the Thunder would ever spend. Um, so I'm not sure what the price is there, uh, and I'm not sure what the market is there in terms of who's really going to chase after him. Cause there are obviously questions about his productivity going into, you know, his thirties. And then again, you know, there's the age question surrounding him. Um, but I, I think there's a decent chance, but, uh, it definitely gets more complicated. And I know this is your next question. 
with Patterson. I think Tucker, you can probably assume it'd be tough to keep Tucker. Right. Uh, just the, the tax bill is going to be so astronomical if you bring back Kyle and Serge Ibaka at anything close to market value. Mm-hmm. Uh, and assuming Patterson is your next priority, which maybe he shouldn't be. Maybe you've drafted all these young bigs, Jakob Pertl, you have Lucas Nogueira, you have Pascal Siakam, that you think maybe you don't need Patrick Patterson. And I can see the rationale behind that. Now, none of those young guys have shown that they're ready for, with the possible exception of Nogueira, who's not really a power forward, uh, are ready for huge minutes. Um, But maybe, you know, this is why you draft guys and develop them, so they can replace guys who just get usurped by more important priorities. Um, And Tucker, you know, but in my mind, Patterson's a more important keep than Tucker. And so, yeah, it's it's tougher to do that. And even if you can bring back, let's say, three of the four of them, then you're probably looking at offloading a contract or two. Uh, And, you know, between Damari Carroll or... Jonas Valanciunas or Corey Joseph, like none of those contracts. I mean, Joseph's contract probably wouldn't be too tough to move, but we've seen the market for, you know, offense first centers. It's not great. Uh, regard, and that's regarding Valanciunas, who I think has his moments as a rim protector, but in the pick and roll is, you know, can be exploited pretty easily. And Carroll uh, is starting to step it up, I'd say, but there are a lot of injury questions, and there were even before the Raptors signed him. So it's going to be complicated for them to keep all these guys. Uh, and if they do, then it will probably result in them trying to you know, move on from some of the contracts they've committed to in the past, certainly. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And I think, um, I think, the, I think the, the one guy to really look at there for me is Valanciunas. Um, we've already seen... Uh, that that you know Dwayne Casey has gone with some Patterson Ibaka lineups to close games. I think that's how you know, in my opinion, the best lineups for Toronto in the playoffs will probably be uh, with Patterson and Ibaka playing the four and five space in the floor and giving them some versatility on defense they didn't have before. Yeah, um, it's, been Ibaka, it's also been Ibaka and Tucker down the stretch uh, early on here too. As you know, that's just a, a result of the league sort of going smaller. Yep, uh, but like. Tucker can switch and bang on guys who are bigger than him. And uh, so they, they do have this incredible defensive versatility right now, which would look really good next to, you know, a superstar point guard. That's right. I, I digress. That's right. <laughs> um, no, you're a hundred, you're a hundred percent right. And uh, you know, and that, and that's where I think Valanciunas becomes a very interesting trade chip this summer. I, I'm kind of I disagree with you a little bit. I think when you look at some of these teams that have had trouble moving centers, I think Valanciunas is in a different category than most of them. I think a lot of people, me included, would look at him and say that here's a guy who plays on a team with two very ball dominant guards that are not great at getting him the ball. You know, despite the fact that Kyle's a very good passer as a point guard, just a lot of times Valanciunas seems to kind of fade out of the offense. Now maybe people in Toronto would argue. Some of that is Valanciunas' own fault. I think that's probably there's probably some merit to that. But um, I, I think that you know I think that you could find a market for him, especially in a summer where you know there are still a, a decent number of teams with cap space, and he's on a good contract. Like when you when you think about all these guys last summer that got paid, right? Whether it's Yamahimi or Joakim Noah or Timothy Mozgov or um, 
or Bismack Biombo, his former teammate in Toronto. Like you go down the list, like they're all making about what Valanciunas is making. I think he's pretty universally considered to be a superior player to all those guys. Um, yeah, I don't. To be clear, I don't think they're going to have to like eat anything. In no, order to no, I don't. I don't think it's to that level. It's just but, it would be hard for them to get a ton back. But also, if you're in that position, if you're, if you're, you know, they, yeah, they couldn't take money back. You, right. You're looking for like picks and young players, and I'm right. just not sure how big that package would be. Right. It might this. be a, it might be a small package, but that's that's where it comes back to like you said, if you give if you make the trade for Ibaka and you're not giving up a ton to get him, um, then perhaps you're able to um, perhaps you're able to uh, you know make that you know make that move and then it's not hurting you as much cuz in the abstract you might go well we didn't want to just give away Valanciunas but if you decide that you know in the long term it makes more sense to build your team in a different way it's not like you have to get value back for him then it's just getting off his contract and that's a different um, that's a different calculus and you might even be able to get something for him so that yeah. that to me that to me becomes the really fascinating um, subtext to them going forward because um, you know, I, I, they, they are, they are in a really interesting situation roster wise. Now you, you mentioned at the beginning when you were talking about some of the struggles lately on offense, you know, how do you, is there, is there a way for this team to, to try to prop up this offense between now and, and the time Kyle gets back? Or do you think that because of the defensive versatility they have now, this is going to be a matter of them. Um, this is going to be a matter of them, you know, having to rely on that defense to, to grind out. Um, to grind out wins that way and try to win, say, in like a 2005 Spurs style as opposed to a, you know, 2015 Spurs style? Uh, look, uh, I think Dwayne Casey's, the, te- the teams that Casey have coached here, the offenses have been criticized as being stagnant for a long, long time. Um, how much of that has to do with the coach and how much of that has to do with the roster is sort of tough to separate because, uh, again, ball-dominant guards who are your most meaningful scorers and your most productive scorers, and you have a post-presence in Valanciunas who isn't exactly Arvidas Sabonis, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think, you know, you use these blissful practice days in Miami to add a more, you know, a bit more off-ball movement you have some guys who know how to cut in Damari Carroll and PJ Tucker. You don't have that like high volume three point shooting, but between like Tucker, Patterson, uh, Carroll, Norm Powell, you have guys who can knock it in from the corners and, and, and then Ibaka from above the break. It's mm-hmm. like a fairly, he's like an, he's above average, above the break three point shooter. Uh, so the thing that it comes down to is, you know, penetration, which is a problem. Because, uh, <laughs> like, Corey Joseph and DeLon Wright are not those guys. Like, mm-hmm. ju- like they're just not Kyle Lowry. And it's hard to replace a superstar. And, superstars for a reason. Yeah, like, I, I think maybe some of the league is still adjusting to Kyle Lowry's superstar, but I think we'd agree that if he's not that, he's close enough where it doesn't really matter what he's we call a, it him. It doesn't matter. Whatever you want to call him, he's a damn good player that does things that nobody else yeah. on the roster can do. Uh, and then there's not sort of a lot of natural passing on this roster. There's, you know, Patterson and Carroll and Tucker can make the next pass, 
but can they make the first pass? Like, are, are they driving and kicking and getting the ball moving? And then you're now side to side to side. I don't think that's them. So I think they can get a bit more creative, but I really, and people are just going to hammer Casey when they lose, you know, 93, 87 to some subpar team. Right. I think like, and there have been reasons to hammer this coaching staff for offensive, maybe a lack of creativity on the offensive end. But I think you have to look at what he's got here and realistically know you're not going to be able to make wholesale changes to the DNA right. with, you know, mid-season. I, I think they can get a bit better at that sort of stuff and implement a few plays that get the ball moving a bit more naturally. And you hope DeMar DeRozan, you know, he's shown signs of being a really good passer what he gets into paint he certainly leaps and bounds from where he was in his third or fourth year uh but this isn't going to be a team that assists on 65 percent of their baskets like they'll be lucky to get back up to 50 or whatever it was before the lowry injury and that's going to be tough with the with you know, the lack of shooting so i guess it's a very meandering answer to say <laughs> uh I think the offense can be better than it has been, uh, but it'll probably sort of settle because I don't think DeMar DeRozan's going to be as absurdly efficient as he was in those first three games, which is going to put a lot of pressure on the defense. Yeah, and, and, and you know, even though they played Boston, DeRozan's always roasted Boston. They don't really know when to guard him, and he played the Knicks. So, you know, I think I think playing – I think the game against Washington the other day was a better example of how they're going to look when they start playing better teams uh, yeah, going forward. I should add that their schedule down the stretch, like, it's not like it's a murderer's row. So there are ways to, like, eke out some wins and go 500 and keep home court in the first round. And maybe if, you know, one of the other two teams, the Wizards or the Bulls or the Celtics, sorry, I'm just so used to the Bulls beating the Raptors. I assume they win every game they play. Um, (laughs) But uh, uh, if they go into some slump for some reason or suffer an injury, maybe they get into three or two. But it's just... It's hard to do the math on that just because, again, superstar's gone. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that was going to be my final question. And you, uh, um, you just answered it for me was to whether what the chances were you think that, that they can get you know, past that, past either Washington or Boston. But you think that unless things, unless things change as of now, um, you're, you think that it's more likely they, stay, they settle into that four or five spot and then they probably, you know, assuming they get Kyle back, they get into a series in the second round against Cleveland. Well, I mean, I don't want to look past Atlanta in that scenario. Atlanta is, you know, sort of Jekyll and Hyde-ish, but they're not nothing. They're a pretty decent team. Um, I think that's the most likely scenario. I don't think it's impossible that they get out of fourth. Uh, and I think obviously Friday night's game for that, those purposes is big because it would give the Raptors a tiebreaker, uh, not to mention it would be a full game swing. Um, but it's just, it's tough to do the math to where they're, and I haven't looked at Boston and Washington's schedule too in depth, but it's just, it's, it's not easy to come up with a scenario in which they can go, you know, 11 and five without Lowry or whatever it will be like that's, He's that important to the team. You know, I've long argued that I don't think it's a particularly difficult case to make that he's by far their most important player. 
Um, Impossible to argue if you watch them on a regular basis. I mean, yeah, I couldn't well, agree no, more. I mean, I've done some other radio heads where it's, you know, people see DeMar's numbers and... Well, and the players voted DeMar in to start the All-Star game. I mean, DeMar, DeMar, and DeMar's had a great yeah. year. It's not a knock you on know, him. Let's but not it, take anything away from DeMar. DeMar is, like, great at what he does. Right. He's, he's a wonderful player, but he's just not the two-way impact that Lowry has. Um, and, and just Lowry fills so many holes for this team. Well, the shooting especially. I mean, yeah. I, I think his defense has slipped a little bit this year, but I, I think his... But this team, this team can make up for that. Yes, now, right? they can. Right. And his and his shooting in particular, and his efficiency. Like Demar is efficient in kind of like I tweeted after he hit that game winner against the the Knicks the other day. He's just he's he's amazing at hitting amazingly bad shots. And yeah, like that's a that's a real skill. It's like it's a that's a it's a skill to be able to get off a twenty footer against just about anybody and be able to make a decent amount of the time. It's not a knock on him, but Kyle Kyle's efficiency and his long range shooting really opens up that offense for them in ways that um, Demar just can't do for them. And I, I to your sure. point, his- and like in that in that same game, you saw like. Uh, in the first quarter, twice I noted it, that like DeRozan's pounding in the post, and the double comes, and there's nobody and to kick it to. Lowry kicking it out to Corey Joseph, right? And Lowry, you know, there's a reason Corey Joseph's a good backup Lowry point guard. That shot, Corey right. Joseph probably won't. Right, you know? there's a reason Corey Joseph's a good backup point guard, and Kyle Lowry's a, a multiple-time All-Star point guard. I mean, it's, yeah. that's yeah. the uh, that's the difference. So, all right, well, I'll let you get back to packing, Eric. Thank you. Um, but before before we run, uh. Um, tell the people, uh, tell, tell actually, well, tell people where to follow you on Twitter and also, uh, fill them in on, on where you're writing and, uh, and about how they can, can they, they can subscribe. Uh, so I'm at E Corrine on Twitter and I write for the athletic, which is now in three cities, uh, Chicago, Toronto, and Cleveland, uh, with the great Jason Lloyd leading the way, yes. uh, just launched on March 1st, um, so they can find us at the they can find the Toronto site at theathletic.com slash Toronto. Uh, it is a subscription site. Uh, there will be some stuff that is not a, behind a paywall, but a lot of it is. And I don't want to get into a long conversation about the world of journalism, <laughs> but at the Washington Post, you understand this. Yep. Um, we have a subscription service as well. Money, as does my rent in this current apartment and my future apartment. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, um, it's not very much. Uh, it, it's, you know, a fancy coffee a month, as I like to put it. And it's, you know, if you're a Toronto sports fan, we're loaded with great writers. We have Blake Murphy contributing on the Raptors side, who's one of the better. Uh, you know, sort of analytic writers. Not that he can't, doesn't do other things. He had a really good feature on a, a tattoo artist who works with a lot of the Raptors a few weeks back. But he's, you know, a really good Raptors writer. We have Holly McKenzie and Surat Sohi, uh, Surat Sohi, sorry, uh, um, filling in as contributors sometimes. Great baseball, hockey, soccer coverage. And you get access to the other two sites, and I can almost promise you we're not stopping with uh, just the three cities we have now. So eventually, your fancy coffee a month is going to get you a whole bunch of cities and a whole bunch of 
hopefully slightly different content than you that you get uh, elsewhere on the uh, interwebs. And I will, I will, uh, without trying to embarrass Eric, I will just say that uh, the athletic, you know, in addition to hiring Jason recently, you know, Eric has done a fantastic job on the Raptors for a long time. There's a ton of great people at both the Chicago site and the Toronto site. And I know Jason is bringing people into the Cleveland site. And so I encourage everyone to, to get it. It will be, um, it will be worth your, it will be worth your time and money for sure to, uh, to check out their coverage of, of the league and, and other sports in those cities. So, um, should definitely check that out. You can, uh, you can find my work at the Washington post. We also have to get a subscription. Please get that. Uh, and you can follow me on Twitter at Tim Bontemps. You can follow me on Facebook at Tim Bontemps NBA. Please give the podcast a five-star rating and review wherever you can find it. It's on Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, um, think Google Play. Check it out there. Um, thanks to Glenn Yoder in the Western States for the theme is for the podcast. Go find their music on the Internet. It is also great. Um, Eric, thank you again for the time. I wish you luck packing. I wish you were in Washington for the game today, but um, hopefully I'll get a chance to run into you sometime soon. But uh, thanks, for, thanks for taking the time on a busy day to talk about the wraps. Thanks, Tim. Have a good weekend.